Hello, and welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we talk about all the games Blizzard Entertainment puts out for us each and every week. Uh, I'm your host, Matt Rossi. Uh, with me this week are two excellent co-hosts, uh, Alex Ebart and Ann Stickney. Alex, how are you doing this week? I'm good. Does Blizzard put out games every week? No, we talk about them every week. Oh, okay. It's the thing about English. Their modifier can be in either part of the sentence. They put out English a new tavern brawl every week. Uh, that's true. It's not always new, but I'll let you have it anyway. Also, since Alex derailed us quite hard there, we'll move on to Anne now. <laughs> How are you, Anne? How are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. I'm good. My birthday's this week. Ooh, happy birthday. Happy birthday. I, I, I forgot about it, and then I was reminded about it. And now it's been on my mind, so there we go. Alrighty. Um, well, I'm going to just say it. I don't think much really happened this week. Not like, so much. I mean, the Legacy of the Void um, opening cinematic came out, and either you think it was cheesy, or you think it was cool, or you think it was cool even though it was cheesy. Uh, I had a good time watching it. I think it was cool. It made me want to actually play StarCraft for the first time in my life. Like, I, I read about StarCraft, I read the books, well, not all of them, but a couple of them. I read the wikis and, like, watched other people play, but I've never been interested in playing until right now. Like, I, think I am actually interested in playing for a while. The cinematic just wasn't what I expected. Isn't that silly? Because I should have expected that, because that's also how previous cinematics for StarCraft 2 have been. I yeah, thought that there'd like be some kind of story involved with it, and there was not. Right. It's more, it seems more gameplay slash esports fan service than here's a narrative cinematic it felt to me more like just trying to get you interested in what's going on rather than actually telling you what's going on but like the tactics used by the protoss in that cinematic are actual things that people do playing the rts Mm -hmm. as opposed yeah, as opposed to it being this big story epic thing it's a here's some dude there's probably somebody controlling these guys playing starcraft and you've totally done these things and that's awesome right well i don't know if you would have totally done these things unless you were playing the original starcraft it's been a long time but uh yeah you can play you can play protoss anyways i mean it's not protoss has not been in the game until now but at any rate that's basically it for right now they had a they had a a big the american and the american invitational i want to say uh, PvP event this weekend, but that's the American just, regionals. You know, yes, the American regionals. So that's going on, but you know, if you, to be honest, I didn't watch it because I was doing other stuff tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow I was doing other stuff. Tomorrow. Doing other stuff tomorrow. Wow. Yeah. Don't think about it too much. Did I wow. imagine I was a time traveler? <laughs> Apparently, but yeah, the the regionals they they had the regionals this weekend. The America's regionals grand prize winners. There was um. The grand prize was Juvenile, second place was Tempo Storm, and third place was FollowEsports.com. And all three of them will be appearing at BlizzCon this year. Let's go ahead and compete there. So that's interesting. Yeah. but that's So basically we're going to move on to emails because we do do emails on this show. Uh, if you'd like to send us an email, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. And we talk about pretty much anything. We're, this week, I think we've got a reasonable grab bag of stuff. Uh, it, it doesn't have to be about lore. It doesn't have to be about uh, any specific Blizzard game. We'll try and answer anything we get. So please do send us those emails, because without them, it's just the three of us talking about Coffee Creamer for another hour. Um, although, trust I, me. I do enjoy these, Coffee Creamer. These guys can cover it. These guys, <laughs> they, they will let you know. 
But uh, first email is from Shad, Belf Prot Paladin, Hygel US. I'm a Patreon member. I think I'm one of the founders for Blizzard Watch. I don't know how that's determined. Thank you. Uh, you. You all are the first crowdfunding project I participated in, but I've been so proud with the results that I've supported two others. Aww. So congrats to all for inspiring me, and congrats for the excellent product you've created. Thank you. Have you all considered doing any special podcasts outside of what you already oh, do? Boy. Uh, for instance, a podcast devoted to the things you, you writers would like to see in WoW. I've liked a number of the ideas you've tossed out while answering questions, so a podcast devoted to expounding on those would be appealing. Finally, what do you think the Diablo-style transmog will look like? Account-wide? Items from raids slash dungeons only? What's your hope for what it will look like? Uh, Shad, Belfprot Paladin, Hygel US. Um, I... We kind of do already do two podcasts, plus you guys do a behind-the-scenes one for the Blizzard, Blizzard Watch editorial, right? Yeah. Um, pa uh, Patreon members specifically get the behind-the-scenes podcast. Yeah. And this person is one, so they would get that. Um, one of the limitations of podcasts is just how much time do we have? Yeah. I mean, it, if one podcast takes you know an hour, and if we have two of them, that's two hours every week. You know, The more we add, we don't necessarily have that much free time to just talk. Plus, it isn't, it isn't just a matter of, like, the time, because it's each individual person on the podcast has to carve out that time. Yeah, and it's like right now, well, Right now, there's three of us that are here just doing this one podcast. Then you add in the Lore Watch podcast, and that's every two weeks, three different three people, two of us the same, but, you know, uh, then have to get another hour free in a different period of time. And it, it, it does add up real fast. I do a lot and of shows. We have the yeah. live stream, which is two hours in the afternoon for five people on Thursday. Yeah, so you're starting to hit the point where it's like, um, what, what, you know, what am I doing with my life besides talking about World of Warcraft and or playing World of Warcraft and or writing about World of Warcraft? I do actually have to do things like eat and sleep and see my wife. I have to admit, I'm surprised how insatiable people are for our podcasts. I didn't think podcasts were, I mean, okay, somebody has one podcast, maybe I'll listen to it. That's one podcast. People want us to talk all day, every day. I don't understand how they <laughs> listen to this stuff that long. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> really long commutes. Yeah, I'm thinking that's basically you guys must live really far away from where you work or something. But yeah, for the second question, though, I think we can really go on and on about Transmog quite a bit. For What I would like to see is I would like it to be account-wide. Uh, I would like it to be any item I've ever collected. I don't know that I'll get that, but I want that. I think um, I think I heard somewhere that it was going to be account wide, but I could be well, wrong. We, we we heard that last week when we were talking about the yeah the uh, information from Dragon Con. There was yeah some I was gonna debate. say didn't they say it was gonna be account wide? Well, Elvine said that they had said so, but um, the other WoW events, the MMOC events, had said that they you know it was he said maybe. Oh okay. So yeah. But if it's account wide, yeah, that's I would want it to be account wide because, it's like using the example I used the other day, I have Death Knights, Paladins, and Warriors, um, and I'd love it if my Paladins and Death Knights could use all my non-set Warrior gear. You know, I've got a ton of that stuff in the bank. Yeah. Um, so, I would like it. I, I would like it to just straight up be as much like the Diablo set as possible, but with the added thing of getting everything because Diablo doesn't get everything. Um, no, I think Alex, weren't you complaining about that last week? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't call it a complaint so much as I just, as somebody who doesn't play Diablo a lot, I didn't really understand how it worked. I don't know if it gets everything. It does. But I, I've noticed it. It gets all my legendaries. Yeah, 
And sometimes uh, something will be added when you looted something, and something will be added when you level up the artisan, and I just... I don't know. I haven't played Diablo enough to know exactly how it works. I would like it to basically just be everything I've got in the bank the moment they introduce it, and then everything that drops for me then on. Yeah. And that that would be fine. So that would be what I would want. But Anne might have more and better ideas, because... If anybody thinks more about transmog than I do, and not many people do, but if anybody does, and does, so do you have any ideas? I want them to lift the restrictions while they're at it. I want to be able to transmog gear that's, like, white quality. I want to be able to, like... The other thing I want to be able to do, and I don't think that they'll ever do this, but they could, theoretically, is if you can wear it, you can transmog it. Which means that if you're playing a cloth wearer, any piece of cloth wear, any piece of cloth gear, fair game. If you can put it on your body, you can transmog it. If you're a leather wearer, anything that's leather or cloth, you can put it on so you can transmog it. So you'd have like, you know, plate wearers, obviously, they can put everything on. <laughs> they could yeah, transmog I, I everything. I would just see them allowing that. I would just feel bad for cloth wearers because they would get the least amount of looks. Yeah. But at the same time, cloth wearers also have like some really attractive gear options out there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say if you did that, then you should take away even the restriction of you should be able to, you have to put it on. You think? At that point, if we're doing it, then it has to be open to everybody. The only like, I don't only... I don't think it's fair to to give you know cloth wearers only get cloth and but every like, like plate wearers and get I everything. Think, I think the trade off you'd have to have is if you PVP, your transmog gets turned off. Yeah, that that was like the, uh, the caveat have, to that because it's like you'd, you'd have, have a death to... knight come out of the gate in the arena, except they're wearing they look a like robe a and cloth shoulders. Like oh, that's their healer. Oh, he's hitting me in the face really hard. Oh, he just <laughs> summoned an army of dead things. Wait, that's not a healer. Yeah, no. Um, there's that. I mean, if they're going to separate PvP and PvE in the way that they're saying, well, then yeah, you know, ooh, turn off transmog ooh. for the PvP. Oh my God! You what? just gave no, no, not turn off transmog. Have PvP transmog. What? Oh, where you can wear different like arena sets and things like that. Where? Yeah, and it's. It's a different interface, and like when you go into PvP, it switches to your PvP transmog. Oh, so not like a like a fashion show dance off. That would be good too. <laughs> transmog PvP, whoever looks best wins. I'm just yeah. picturing like the Paladins win again. Dang it! West Side <laughs> Story, West Side Story going on like down in the Dalaran sewers. They're all just like, when you're a thief, you're a thief all the way. Yeah, no. These <laughs> folks. But yeah, but I'd yeah, like I'm... to see them lift some of those restrictions. Because, I mean, why not? Why not? You gave us this tool where we can customize things. Why not let us use it? Why not let us utilize it to its full extent? We've talked before about how when Blizzard puts something in, they tend to put it in conservatively and then adjust later. Yeah. And honestly, if nothing else, one restriction they really absolutely need to think seriously about lifting is one-handed weapons. Yeah. One-handed Weapons have the silliest, the, the silliest restrictions. The fact that you can't transmog anything to daggers. Yeah, it makes playing a rogue really boring. <laughs> if you're, you know, you're a rogue, let them use, let them transmog daggers to axes, maces, and fist weapons and swords. If I could transmog fist weapons to my daggers, I would be a happy, happy rogue. In the, in the vein I have some of the cool PvP, fist weapons. In the vein of the yeah. PvP transmog thing, they should just have costumes like. 
you set up multiple costumes and you can just change which one you're wearing. So it's that like would actually, yeah. on the character screen, just like, oh, I'm going to put on my uh, raiding outfit. I'm going to put on my fishing outfit. And it's just, you click it and everything changes. It's like team uniforms. Yeah. Yeah. So even something as simple as being able to save an entire transmog set in one go. And so you could just go and hit one button and boom, switch to the new set. Because yeah. right now, if you want to change your set, you have to change every piece individually. Yeah. And that's, you know, that. Yeah, and that I think a lot of people use add-ons to kind of circumvent that a little bit and save sets. Yeah, but you still have to wait for the add-on to go through and do it all. And do you know, it one at a time. And you can only transmog like one one piece at a time. Well, you can wait until you get them all set up and then hit the button for everything. But I think but, even yeah. you know, other, other MMOs that do the costume thing that don't have a transmog system, just have it set up where you have tabs on your character screen and you, yeah. just, you, you have it all equipped. So you yeah. just click one button and it flips everything you have equipped cosmetically. Yeah. Yeah. I know that DC Heroes, um, DC Universe Online, had a thing where you could just change each each piece individually right there in your character window. Yeah. You didn't have to go to anybody or pay anyone. I'd also like armor dies, but I know that that's not uh, to be a thing that happens yeah. anytime soon, if ever. So, you know. Armor dies would be lovely, because, especially because if you've ever, like, the, the frustration of taking a warrior to Tempest Keep and seeing them all walking around in Warrior Tier 2, but it's red. Yeah. <laughs> drives me insane. It's like, why do they get red <laughs> wrath? Why? Ah. <sighs> It's bad enough that one guy was dual wielding Thunder Furies, but he's got red wrath. Uh, so, yeah. They should probably keep Vanishing Die out of WoW, though. Yeah. Mm. I get you why you're saying that, although I still think it would be kind of cool if I could go around, you know, like a barbarian type thing without like without the top stuff. Because it's, you know, I just one of want the shoulders to be optional. Like, I don't want shoulders to be optional because for, for on plate characters, plate gear looks ridiculous without them. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see why you say that as a leather wearer. Well, yeah, and leather wear. I mean, there are some really nice looking leather shoulders out there. That's cool, but sometimes, sometimes I just don't want any. Sometimes I'd rather they weren't there. So it would be cool to kind of have that option too, to be able to turn that off, like you can turn the helmet off. All right. At this point, I'm going to try moving on to the next email because I feel like if we don't, we'll keep talking about Transmog for the next half hour. Pretty much. This one's from Corholm, I believe. Corholm Stonescale. Stormscale, not Stonescale. Um, Hail Watchers. I've been recently binging on Legion Intel and have a theory you briefly touched on in a previous episode. If you read over the Legion website, you will find that Anduin is slated to be a key figure in the upcoming expansion, but no mention of Varian anywhere. I find it particularly odd that there's no mention of Varian considering all the press conferences he was featured and screenshot in the cinematic. How can Varian not be critical to the story if he's if he's in the cinematic? My theory, as if you might agree, is that Varian is killed in the cinematic or shocking event that occurs before the expansion is released, and Anduin is now forced to pick up the sword as King of Stormwind in their most desperate hour. Is Anduin ready for this? How do you see a situation like this playing out? Thankfully, the Alliance won't have a Joffrey-Barathean situation on their hands. Cheers, Corholm. Well, I'm already on board saying that I don't want them to do this. Like, I don't want Varian killed. I don't think they're going to do that. If he were to be killed, I think Anduin could probably do it at this point. Anduin is, at this point, he's like... Well, he was like 16 going into Mr. Pandaria. So by now he's like 17, 18. That's about the age Varian was when he was crowned king. 
So yeah, and keep in mind, Varian was actually king, in fact, if not a name, for like a decade before he got crowned. Yeah. Because he had to run away when the city got burned down and there was all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So at this point, Anduin's, I mean, he's he's young, but he's not, I'd he, be more worried about him personality-wise than age-wise. Yeah. It, it's, I mean, he's, like I said, yeah, he's young, but Varian was young too. Like, they were always young. It was just kings are crowned when they're, you know, at the age to do it. He couldn't be he couldn't be crowned when um, Varian was kidnapped because at that point he was still what like a ten year old boy or something like that. And he's well, I not, think there not was some pressure to do at that point, you know. There was some pressure to crown him and then just have uh, oh god, Bolvar have Bolvar be regent. Yeah, he was while named. He, yeah. I think I think that uh, I think that Anduin was crowned like temporarily. But it was just while Varian was gone, and as soon as Varian came back, obviously he was the king again, and and was back uh, being personally, prince. I feel they're just not pushing Anduin in the king direction. I think there's more the army of the light thing, which was Velen had Vel- a vision Velen about was talking it. about and yeah. all that. I think so. It's more him being this unifying figure, or just anti-demon bad guy figure, more so than. King of Stormwind, or possibly the you know son of the head of the Terrans and Starcraft. Yeah, because he looks just like that dude. It's they true. have the same outfit on, even. Princes um, in Blizzard games. I mean, Prince Arthas. Arthas looked like that when he was that age. Yeah. Yeah. So no, it, it's just one of those. Is he ready for it? Is one of those situations where that's the point. If they did it, that would be the point. Was to, would be to show him getting ready for it. At yeah. this point, you know, he is, he's certainly less, he's less aggressive and less military than his father, but he's not naive no. anymore. This is a dude who's been around at this point. He's been all through Pandaria. He got a divine bell dropped on him. Uh, he recovered from that with the help of Velen and a lot of healing. He's been, you know, if you read War Crimes, he's a central part of War Crimes and he never flinches from, from Garage. No, he knows he had, exactly. his conversations with Garrosh were really interesting. Yeah. This is not a guy who is flinching from, you know, seeing the negative side of things. He he certainly doesn't have my, you know, me as an Alliance player, I'm much, much further along the line of, well, it would make more sense to just kill the Horde than, than Anduin is. Anduin would much rather come to some kind of peaceable accord. But he's not naive about it. He's not thinking, well, they'll just love us. You know, he knows that the Horde isn't going to just, you know, one day decide, yeah, you're okay. He, he gets that you know, people like Garage exist. So he could step up and do a reasonably good job. I mean, who knows? You know, there have been – Varian came into the situation basically having no idea how to rule because everybody who was supposed to teach him had died at that point. Yeah. Like even, even Lothar was dead at that point. Varian had nobody. Uh, Terranus like Tyrell- was kind of like his – his father figure a little bit Terranus was, but, and then Terranus was gone obviously during the third war. So it was, Varian did not have, he didn't have the support structure really. If nothing else, Anduin can learn from his father's mistakes. Yeah. Uh, The way Varian was kind of nutty, cuckoo crazy when he came back and be like, okay, one thing, don't invade cities and threaten to murder everybody. If you get, don't get what you want. At the head of an SI7 group. Check. 
I know not to do that. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. I guess, you know, Alex, do you have anything further to say? Uh, not really. I just don't... Ex- I just really don't think that's where they're putting Anduin. And uh, given they tend to favor the humans on the Alliance side of things and put the humans in charge of stuff, Varian taking control over, like, the Night Elves, you know, and commanding them over Tyrande already feels kind of weird. And if this 17-year-old kid is suddenly the only faction leader for the Alliance and is in command of the 10, 20,000-year-old Night Elves or whatever, that's weird to me. I, I'll tell you right now, if, if we go into a situation in Legion where there is a demonic invasion of Azeroth and Chandra's Feathermoon isn't seen in the game at any point, I'm going to lose my mind. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, I don't... When you have people like Taronda and Chandris and even... And Jared Shadow Song. Bring Jared right. back, yeah. And the Draenei and even the dwarves, they're, they're pretty long-lived compared to humans, if I recall. If those guys are not involved and it's just Anduin is in charge now, eh, it doesn't feel right. Yeah, I hope they don't do that. I'm fine with dwarf, well, I think dwarves and, and gnomes continuing to be dwarves and gnomes, and their idea for every situation is, let's hide inside of our underground thing. Yeah, they kind of suck. Forget forget I mentioned the dwarves. Forget but those guys. I think out of anybody, though, Anduin would be the one that would be most likely to turn to the Draenei and turn to the Night Elves and go, okay, so you guys are the experts. What do we do? You know, yeah, but, and actually but ask them. Yeah, I, I definitely just I I have the hardest time imagining like when you tell me that demons are invading and like like you know I look around and I see Jared Shadowsong standing there and my first thought is Jared, you fought you fought Archimond in hand to hand combat. What do you think? How does <laughs> that work? Archimond's big. Yeah, he still did it. I'm not saying he won, but he did fight him. Uh, you know, hand to hand combat. Yeah, he totally did. Go read the book, man. Yep. Archimond was smaller, smaller than I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, the man hugged a tree, like a huge, the biggest tree. He went and hugged it. Archimond <laughs> did actually size himself down some to humiliate Jared more. He was toying with him because he was evil. You know how they are. But yeah, Jared went toe to toe with Archimond and came out of it the other side. So I'm gonna ask that dude what he thinks. Uh, um, you know, Shandra's Feathermoon, you've got ten thousand years of experience protecting Kalimdor. What do you think we should do? Or no, 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 we'll we'll ask the seventeen year old. Hey, remember when you used to be like ten and I would come by and I'd hand you a lollipop and talk to Bolvar for a few minutes and then leave? Great, you're in charge now. Wonderful. I, I also remember that time in Cataclysm where you followed me around and got me into nothing but trouble. I'm pretty uh, sure that if they came to Andwin and they said, what should we do, Andwin? Andwin's response would be, ask Velen. He knows. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it it does seem weird, the idea of... I, I, I think Andwin should have a role. I, I'm totally okay with him having a role. Yeah. But I, I would feel weird about, you know... Frankly, sometimes I worry that, you know, since Greymane's going to have a role in this... And when Greymane's around, princes tend to A, take off their shirts, and then B, die. I'm a little worried about Anduin, to be completely honest with you. Yeah, and uh, part of my feelings of Anduin is, much like orcs being the sole focus of things is bad, orcs and humans being the sole focus of things is bad, and I would really like to see more faction leaders than Verwin. 
Yes, Verwin and Andin. <laughs> uh, I, I want to see people other than those guys. They, they Super Saiyan merged. Their hair is one now. <laughs> and the chin is like three times bigger. Wow, 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 wow. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next email does, doesn't have... Oh, no, he signed it there. Good afternoon, Blizzard Watch. Uh, this is Clug again. Actually, did I skip something? Yeah, I did. Yeah, you did. I'm oh, sorry, Clug. We'll the get, other we'll get one you. doesn't have a name. Yes, that's what happens to me here sometimes. If you don't add a name, it confuses me. Hello, Watchers. I've been playing Hearthstone casually since release, and I've had fun with the Druid and have several good decks built, even though I haven't purchased any card packs or expansions. I've been able to remain competitive until recently without having to buy tournament packs. Would I feel any different with any other classes, or am I doomed, pun intended, to always feel more and more left behind? Yes. You will always feel left behind. I have... I've put a fair amount of money into Hearthstone. I've played it a lot enough to get stuff with gold and all this. And I still don't have anywhere near a competitive card collection. Uh, You can do okay with basic cards. But you can do less and less okay as the game progresses and they release more cards. Because naturally, the more recent cards are... More powerful. Better. And sometimes baseline more powerful. Like... Uh, the 5-4 taunt in the base game costs 5 mana. Now there's a 5-4 taunt that costs 4 mana. That's just better. Doesn't that um, make it a 4-4? Four, four? No. 5 attack, 4 health. Oh, okay. Sorry. 5 attack, 4 health taunt. The original, the one in the base game costs 5 mana to play. Okay. Now there's a 5 attack, 4 health taunt that costs 4 mana to play. Oh. So and there's just power creep. And it just gets worse. And I think Heart- that's something Hearthstone is going to have to eventually address. And Ben Brode actually put out a video recently saying, yes, they're aware of this, this is a problem and they're going to have to deal with it at some point. But um, if you don't play an ungodly amount to keep gold flowing or you don't spend an ungodly amount of money, it's going to get worse as expansions continue to release. And I, I mean, that's just the CCG thing. Like Magic the Gathering had this problem until they structured it where... You know, only certain sets could be used or whatever. Then people new to the game could focus on those sets instead of everything released over the course of 20 years. Yeah, um, basically, as Alex pointed out, when you have two cards that are identical and everything except cost, you're always going to use the cheaper one. And the cheaper one is always going to be better. Yeah, Especially in a system like Hearthstone where it's, you know... Every, every round that goes by, you get more mana crystals or mana points to use then being able to drop your, your taunt card a, a round earlier is a huge advantage. Yeah, and there's also cases like the Magma Rager was one of the worst cards in the, game, in the base game. It was, I think, a 5-1. And then the latest expansion added the Ice Rager, which is 5-2, I believe. It's it's same mana cost. This, the new one is just better. Yeah. Hey, that's card games. They kind of always have to ramp up power. So you're always buying new cards. They want those cards to be appealing. You have to spend the money. And with with Hearthstone, you do have the option of you know just playing and getting gold, but it's not an option that is going to ever be as quick. Yeah, no, it's not going to get you to... I mean, playing with the base cards isn't going to get you to Legend or whatever. It's yeah. just not going to happen. So, all right, that's that email, which is relatively quick to be answered. Thank God Alex jumped in, because to be <laughs> honest, I don't play a ton of Hearthstone. Um, good afternoon, Blizzard Watch. This is Clug again, Orc TK Hi, from Morganis. Clug! Uh, first off, 
First off, thanks again for the great advice last week about tanking. I've been raiding with LFR with my Orc Warrior uh, Clugane. Clugane? Yeah, I'm going to go with Clugane. Clugane. Uh, uh, and, Song of Ice and Fire reference. Yes. Yeah. And my uh, Pandaren Monk Clug... Clug Fuchius. Um, Clug Fuchius. I, I didn't see the <laughs> I didn't see the I U S and that's why I stopped for a second. And so I thought Clug <laughs> I'm not saying that word. And so far enjoying them both. My question this week is: Do you all think that the Alliance and Horde will ever be at peace with one another in game, or at least give Horde and Alliance tunes a chance to gain reputation with the opposite with the opposing factions? Do you see Blizzard at least implementing a kind of mercenary mode for LFG and LFR? I'd love to hear all your thoughts on this. Thanks again and keep up all the fantastic work. Back in EverQuest, there was a system called Desertion. And you could literally quit the faction you were a part of and go join another faction. I don't ever expect to see that in World of Warcraft. Because Blizzard Blizzard's big on this idea of, quote-unquote, the fantasy of X. Yes. Whether it's the setting fantasy or class fantasy or what have you they have an idea of what the game is supposed to look like and feel like what what it what makes it warcraft and not just any other mmo and the horde alliance conflict is a huge part of that and they're i i don't know i mean you know both alex and Anna have been playing as long as me or if not longer and they 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 know as much as i do so i'm interested in hearing what they think but i don't expect to ever see that when you can talk now uh I'm tired of the Horde versus Alliance thing. I know it's like the most basic part of the game. It's probably not going anywhere. I'm just tired of seeing it in the narrative. Um, it doesn't feel like... Whenever they have characters focused on this war, it kind of feels like character assassination because it's going to go badly. It can't end. So when you have somebody striving for peace in the narrative, it's like, okay, that character is going to be the dummy this time around because they can never do it. They just will not do it. So that character is wasted now. Uh, in that sense, I, I would like the war and the narrative to go away from gameplay. I think it would be cool if I could play with people in the opposite faction. Blizzard has been against it, clearly. They like their faction lines. I don't know. I would like to play with other people in the other faction. That's all I have to say. I don't think we're ever going to see it happen. Solely because the game is called World of Warcraft, so that war is always going to be a present thing. Yeah, but we can go to war with anything. I know, right? <laughs> we, go to, we go to war with things that aren't been, physical objects in real life. Been, they've been so stickler about that factional divide that I don't see them ever taking it out of the game because that would fundamentally change the game into something else entirely. So I don't, I don't see them doing that. Um, yeah, like... I my belief is that I, I believe Anne is correct, but I'm not arguing against Alex's statement. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not yeah. arguing against your statement or anything like that. It's not that I am like a big fan of the whole faction divide or whatever. It's just that's such a fundamental part of the game that I can't really see them choosing to remove it. I mean, honestly, I'd love it if there was mercenary mode for LFG or an LFR. Yeah, it'd be fun. I don't. I don't think mercenary mode was created to address a short-term PVP imbalance that I think they're hoping the new PVP system will correct. And I think I would not be surprised if they want to get rid of mercenary mode as soon as they can. 
Yeah. It doesn't feel to me like something that they want to have around. It feels like something they put in. They needed to, to put with... it in there to deal with the imbalance. Yeah. And does that does that mean I don't think it's cool? I think it's very cool. But you know what? They've taken stuff out of the game that was cool. Uh, I've been looking at it, like, in terms of secondary stats, I've been re-examining, re reforging for a while now. I'm thinking to myself, you know, when they got rid of hit and expertise, they got rid of the reason to get rid of reforging. Yeah. And it was like they took they they needed to get rid of one of those two items, either either hit and expertise or reforging, but getting rid of both was like too much. And it it basically right now, there's no real thought to gear. You don't. Are the don't numbers bigger? Gear. Okay, I'm gonna yeah. slap that on. <laughs> yeah. <And laughs> it went from being this really complex process where you like you needed an outside program to kind of like do all of the math for you and figure out which one was slightly better for da 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 because reasons balancing caps etc. And like now that that's gone, I mean. I'm glad I don't have to go do all those calculations anymore because that was kind of a pain in the butt. But a lot of the reason that those calculations were even there was because of the fact that there was a hit and expertise cap that you needed to hit. Yeah, and with those stats gone, you don't really need to worry about it as much. I People don't sit around waiting, hoping to get that absolute perfect piece of gear. People wear the gear they have. Yeah. If it drops, people wear it. So... With mercenary mode, you have another situation where they're coming up with something to address a problem that if they feel they've gotten rid of the problem, they'll get rid of the solution to the problem since it will no longer serve a purpose. Ow. I think the the faction lines have blurred a lot of things to uh, community things like forums and fan sites and social media. Uh, having all of your friends on one faction isn't really an option anymore. I play I play Alliance almost exclusively, and I know lots of people on Twitter who play Horde, and I would consider them friends, but they have friends on Horde, and I have friends on Alliance, and we can't abandon one group to play with the other people, but we want to raid together, so... But we can't, because there's this artificial boundary in the middle. Yeah, and that yeah. is the kind of thing, like... Honestly, I don't think that's... Modern MMO design really needs to stop putting barriers between people and their friends. I'm going to bring it up again. I always do it. Secret World. It has, I think, three factions. There's nothing stopping you from grouping with people in the other factions. Yeah. Yeah. There's some faction-specific quests that you get storylines or, you know, work for your faction. But if you want to do dungeons with people in another faction, you totally can. If you just want to screw around and group and chat, you totally can. Secret World was pretty fun. It's a good game. It's I think it's the best MMO that nobody played. <laughs> There's a lot. I mean, just in general, one of the problems World of Warcraft has is when you're hit, we're heading towards the 11 year mark, is that it does this, that it creates barriers that aren't necessary, and which don't really serve a purpose anymore. Um, if they ever really did. I mean, the narrative, the biggest problem with having the Horde and Alliance barriers that, that we have is that quests have to be duplicated. Yeah. Like when you design, we'll use Draenor as an example. You have to design like a Horde zone and an Alliance zone. And they have different quests because they're different, but they have to fill the same role with all the questing. It has to do the same thing. Everyone has to end up in the same place so that they can go to the next zone. It's just... 
it ends up feeling really artificial. And once you've played through it, when you play like when I finally got through Frostwolf, like Frostfire, I remember sitting there thinking to myself, well, okay, so despite the fact that all this different stuff happened, we basically ended up with somebody getting killed in the end of both zones. So I can go forth to to Gorgrond all full of heroic resolve. It's just an artificial barrier that feels very it, it feels stilted in the narrative. I think I do think we could skip having to worry about the Horde Alliance conflict and narrative for a while. You know, yeah, it's just, kind you know. of stale. I mean, what, what bothers me most with the actual conflict in the narrative is they go and this expansion, they're at peace. Oh, they're back at each other's throats again. They formed a truce, but now they're at war. Just pick one. Pick well, really, one. The, the weird part is that you're at tr- you're at a truce, but I, every time I go to like you know Warspear slash Stormshield, Ugh. they're talking about they're talking about the various truces being violated over this like artifact on this island. It's like I know that's there just to justify like you know the fighting. Um, because everybody oh, was I, like, "Why are we?" Why are we fighting over this piece of land when we just came out of an expansion where the whole message was, hey, maybe you guys should chill out and not fight so much. And then what do we do? We go on to Draenor and proceed to start fighting again because I guess lessons aren't meant to be learned. I don't know. Like just, Just for once, couldn't we just have the PvP place be a place we go to PvP and have it not really matter to the story in the slightest? Have it like you know war games, whatever, sparring. You know, real life militaries have war games. Yeah. Even with each other, even allied groups go out and have war games with each other. There's just it feels like you know, I don't know. I, I honestly, the Horde Alliance thing has not brought a lot. You know, every time they try to put the war back in Warcraft, they end up putting like the uh back in Warcraft. So. Yeah, and like I said, there's always that character who is striving for peace, and that's the and character the, I don't like this time because they're not going to get peace. No, it can't it's, happen. It's a, they're that, just that look person, stupid. That person that's always looking for peace or some sort of diplomatic resolution, you know, automatically that they're never going to get what they're after, and they're just going to get more annoying about it. And it's just a character <laughs> it's, dead it's, in the water. It's just gotten stale. It's it's gotten stale. And, I don't see them removing it, but I kind of yeah, it has gotten stale. Plus, when they do that whole peace thing, and I, we should move on to the email, but I'm going to say this much. When they do the whole peace thing, and then they let the character stop trying for peace, everyone thinks the character's going nuts. Well, yeah. now, I'm sorry, Jaina did not go nuts. To uh, be fair, the reason that I said that Jaina kind of went a little nuts was because that particular moment with the voice acting, she sounded a little a little over the top. And I think that was just like vocal stylings, really. It wasn't like the I, I blame the directors for that. Yeah. Well, yeah. We've, we've had that talk about her sounding like Rima Worm Tongue there. And, you know, it was, just, but, it was, it was a little over the top. <laughs> I just honestly, though, I, I feel like it is something we could step away from. But the next email is from Zode because um, I'm skipping down a couple. Okay. Uh, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Zode, Belf Monk, Wormrest Accord, quick question. I hope it takes a while to debate. Yes. Uh, With the upcoming Demon Hunters, what will it be like for those Blood Elves from from a lore standpoint, a lore RP standpoint, to have the last 10 years erased? 
would they still be loyal to the king? How would they likely feel about the direction the region has taken Silvermoon? Would they be okay with being part of the horde now? Would they still think the uh, high elves, like you know, think like that, that they are high elves, et cetera, et cetera? Basically, a lot of time stuff, you know, couple timeline stuff, coupled with the fact that all of these blood elves were part of the group that followed the king to Outland. Uh, thanks for the info. Can't get enough of your show, Zode. Um, quite frankly, I don't think that they would think they were high elves because. They would have been there when he declared that they were blood elves. Yeah. Yeah. And also they would have been there when Kael'thas rebelled. And keep in mind that there were a ton of blood elves learning to be demon hunters on top of the terrace outside the Black Temple. Yep. After Kale turned on Illidan. Yeah. Like a lot of the a lot of the blood elves stayed in the Illidari. They were like apparently they were like, well, yeah, we're gonna hitch our ride to this guy. The demon hunting Illidari probably didn't approve so much of what Kael'thas was doing. Wasn't cause... the Illidari council in Black Temple all blood elves? Yep. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Illidan found a, quite a few blood elves that thought he was preferable to Kale. Yeah. Um, for one thing, Kale they... kind of went a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs and said, I think I'm going to go ally with Kill Jaden because that sounds like a good thing to do. Yeah. And also, Illidan. It was revealed in the Warlock quest, the, yeah. the Warlock Ringfire quest, that Illidan actually had um, more, you know, had a well that he created using the water from the Well of Eternity that could slake the the the, the uh, magic addiction that the Blood Elves had. The withdrawals so poss- and all that. It's possible that you know they stayed loyal to him because he, you know, he, he had, had that cure. <laughs> yeah, and there, so that there's that plus. I mean, they're definitely they would have kind of known about the horde thing too, because the the blood elves showed up on Outland with the horde. Like, now, the, the 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 caveat about that though is that it kind of depends on when Illidan sent them on this mission to wherever he sent them to in that starting zone experience. But this is all kind of stuff that'll be theoretically explained when we know more about the starting zone and we don't yet we don't know what the actual timeline yeah, story is behind that and we'll probably it, find out at that point there were, yeah there was some there were some hints that it's basically the reason illidan didn't like you know come down and kick your butt immediately when you attacked was that he was very busy sending his people off right when you attacked yeah but that's just stuff they've said. They haven't actually, you know, we haven't seen it yet. We so haven't, yeah, we haven't even seen like a beta, a playable beta version of it or anything like that. Once we see that, we'll be able to kind of determine that. But at this point, it's almost too early to ask about that. <laughs> but for that matter, I mean, even in the Night Elf ones would have some time displacement because even Night Elf followers of Illidan would be like, wait, what do you mean you attacked Illidan? Why, <laughs> why'd you do wait, that? What? You're the reason he's dead? What? <laughs> yeah. Plus, we don't, I mean, we don't know, too. They come back through, and then Maeve throws them in prison or something? Like, we don't even really know how that, what happens with that. Yeah. Um, so. I suspect that what's going to be playable at BlizzCon is that Demon Hunter starting experience. Yep. That makes sense. I mean, that's my expectation. It's always uh, a starter zone. It I might will be the f- stand in line for that one. It might be the first zone of actual 
uh, new leveling, but it just might be you could play a Demon Hunter and play the intro stuff. Though, that being said, Death Knight starting stuff wasn't done until fairly late in Wrath development, as I recall. So, I don't yeah, know. and they might they might do um, a playthrough of that pre-expansion event, too. Because they said that, that was going to be a pretty big deal. Yeah, yeah just... we don't know what they mean by that, though. I mean... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Their pre-expansion events have been not so good for so long that I expect a big deal will be, like, you can queue for a boss. I liked the Cataclysm one, where everything was on fire. That was interesting. Isn't that the one where you could just queue for a boss? Yeah, no, but there at the same... Bosses. Yeah, there were multiple bosses, and then there was also, like, you know, you went through the cities, and there was elementals, and you had to fight those things down, and the front gates were burning, and meanwhile the whole Thanksgiving thing was going on so you could sit outside, <laughs> eat your turkey and watch the world burn, literally. Maybe maybe that great. one was better in Orgrimmar, because in Stormwind it was kind of poopy. Oh, yeah, Orgrimmar, Orgrimmar also had, like, uh, it had Rexar just show up and start defending the Horde. Yeah. Like, he remembered that was his job. Yeah. He's like, yeah. wait a minute, I defend the Horde! That's what I do! And the Horde's <laughs> under attack! I just defend it. I'm I remember here. in Stormwind, sometimes elementals would spawn in the trade district, and they would die instantly, and then it would be over. Well, yeah, it depended on what server you were on. On yeah. CC, I'm sure it was pretty terrible, because CC you know, has weird stuff like that. I was still on a server uh, with a fairly low population, so that kind of stuff sort of hung around for a while. It also had been like, for instance, like Orgrimmar, like, not Orgrimmar, Ironforge had like Magni running around, like hitting stuff with you. Whereas in Stormwind, stuff died so quickly that you couldn't really get to it to see if Varian was there or not. Yeah, just the elementals would spawn, and then they would die, and all that would be left was the guy being like, click on me to queue for a boss. What a great event. Awesome. There was one cool thing in that event in Stormwind is that you could get to watch the council meet and discuss. And it was an yeah. actual dis yeah. discussion of all the Alliance leaders. It wasn't just Varian telling them what to do. And Maggie was, like, was there, and it kind of brought up that whole thing that happened in, in the yeah. Shattering. Yeah, I'm going to try these magical tablets someone brought me from Old War. I'm sure nothing will go wrong. Nothing bad will yeah. happen, possibly. Uh, wasn't that the council meeting where Valen was really pathetic and was like, let's get on the Exodar and run as fast as we possibly can? I don't remember him saying that, but it's possible. <laughs> it was... It, I'm, paraphrasing maybe exaggerating but what he said basically boiled down to let's run forget this I, place let's go i don't remember if that's actually what he said i just remember magni saying crystals taronda saying we should just find out where versus involved and kill it varian's like uh that's possibly true i i don't want to sound like a lunatic here but yeah i guess killing it might help if we knew what to kill but it was at least it was everybody was there. And I also like the quests with the doomsayers where you had to like they were wear the chalkboard. Yeah, you had to wear the chalkboard and walk around and stuff. That was fun too. I yeah. mean, there was a lot of stuff going into Cataclysm, really. What we're saying is that you know we don't know yet because we haven't seen enough to determine. But they'll at least be aware that some of this stuff happened. If anything, your your Blood Elf Demon Hunter is probably much more concerned with the fact that he starts off apparently having been clapped in prison by Maiev. And yeah. probably doesn't Yeah, that that'll probably be his immediate problem. Especially since it seems like they're they're keeping all their demonic stuff in one place and Gul'dan's running around it. Which is never yeah. a good idea. If you have demonic stuff, you don't want Gul'dan near it. Like at all. <laughs> Yes, guy. yes, we know how much you love Gul'dan. 
I think Gul'dan is just the worst thing ever. It's just great. He's the he's, worst. You should he's go dying. buy a, a Gul'dan body pillow or something. <laughs> I'll bet you they exist. Oh, God. <laughs> if not, Alex is making one for Check me. Check Etsy. Sure. Check Etsy. <laughs> okay, next email is from... Oh, Lagawato. Okay, there. Guys, put your names at the bottom. It's really hard to figure <laughs> out what your name is when it's in the text. Hey, Say, dear watchers. pronunciation in there, so I approve. Thank you. Dear watchers, blah, blah, blah. Love, yours truly, sincerely, your beloved, your name. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> anyway, hello, watchers. Lagawato. Uh, Lagawato. Um, many things I like your opinions on, but I'll keep this to one. Assuming Dalaran is still functioning in its capacity as one of the best arcane learning centers around, do you think they'll be willing to accept an ogre initiate? <laughs> as well as ogres are, re- really, are rarely well treated or thought of as much beyond you know pests, especially by the Alliance, many of whom are still um, smarting from the Second War. Reinforcing that is our expedition to Draenor, where ogres were universally antagonists. We know that they're capable spellcasters, even ogres who have lived in caves and Mud, far from civilization, still have some rudimentary magic. Is it just that no ogres expect to be taken seriously by society, let alone embra- in, in, entrance into a prestigious school? Uh, quite frankly, I think it's that ogres don't give two moldy you know, rat poops about any city on Azeroth. And really. they seem incapable of cleaning up their own moldy poops. So if they That's... were welcomed into Dalaran, they would not be welcomed very long. The ogres on Azeroth are interesting because it's like, um, well, I mean, on Draenor, obviously, you see the height of ogre civilization. And somewhere in there, in between that trip to Azeroth and them actually spreading out and populating across to Azeroth, they lost a lot of their smarts. Do they know how to do spellcasting? Yes. Are they particularly eloquent or well-spoken? Not so much. I don't know. I find myself I find myself wondering if the ones that got to go through the dark portal were the dummies. Like if the the smart ones back on Draenor were like, "Yeah, you guys can go. We're going to stay here and rule our magical civilization." But know. you were you're you're cannon fodder. So go ahead. And that's why the, the Azerothian ogres are all kind of like, you know, going, "I like mud. Mud is awesome. It keeps flies from biting me." And you can't tell that I've pooped all over the place because there's mud everywhere. It's great. Because that's who got through to go through the dark portal. I mean... I'm just wondering yeah. if it's because they're nowhere near any Apexus crystals anymore. That's actually, that's actually a good point, too. They used to... You know, was it the Ogre Law thing? Yeah, Yeah, the Ogre Law thing they were talking I've, about. I've kind of wondered about that with goblins on Azeroth. Wasn't it Kajamite or whatever? It was the Kajamite, yeah. And I don't think they have a surplus of that anymore. So they, do they still need it, or is it just like a rapid evolution thing? It seems like th- th- there was an argument, at least in one place, that the reason that their inventions break down and explode so much is that they don't have as much of it as they used to. Yeah. And so, mm. like, they're still they don't they don't become idiots without it. But the fight the flights of inventive genius come from drinking it and immediately getting inspired. And without the ability to keep drinking it so you understand the thing you just made, it's like, well, hopefully this won't blow up. <laughs> so maybe the ogres maybe the ogres are like that with Apexus, where like when they have the the Apexus because you when when you're fighting um the Sorcerer King in in H not HFC, uh, in Highwall, yeah. and he's drawing from those crystals, you know yeah. clearly they're doing something for him. 
So it's quite possible that without access to Draenor and its various magical crystals, they get dumber. Well, clearly, the goblins and the ogres need to team up and have a deep-sea expedition to find Kajamite, and they become the new villains. Yeah. Hyper-intelligent ogres and goblins. The problem is that when we have a hyper-intelligent ogre, it turns out to be Cho'Gall. Yeah, and he yeah. was not, uh, he was, he was well-spoken, but the things he said were <laughs> He's kind of out my, there. Possibly my favorite part of Cataclysm is going into his room. Oh, yeah. <laughs> words, words, words. The master wants murder. Yeah. Uh, the voice <laughs> actor, the voice actor yeah. was just fantastic for Chogol. I just remember we, we were doing heroic Chogol. Yeah. Back you know, and and we're trying to line up to do it, and I'm trying to tank while I'm giggling my head off at <laughs> all the things Chogall is saying. It's like, man, this guy. I, I I'm so sad he's dead because he was amusing. Yeah. But yeah, in terms of ogres getting the Dalaran, if one showed up, I guess the the other problem would be that like you know, even when Dalaran is neutral, an ogre showing up is not the kind of thing. It's like. You know, hi, I want to study here. 20 minutes of laughter ensues. Yeah. Then they'd be like, you know, are you serious? Yes, totally. Can you read? Yes, on these really large tablets. I can read rocks real good. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm not, I don't want to like sound like I'm putting the ogres down, but I kind of am. So I'll just live with it. I, the ones on Azeroth, you go to fight these guys, and there are literally piles of poop laying around. I'm just saying, these guys are not the most civilized ever. They don't even dig holes to poop in. They just poop. Yeah, and the thing is is that, you know, we sound like we're, fi we're fixating this, but if you were playing in vanilla, the first time you went into Dire Mall, and that stuff had flies rendered in the game. That floated around like, it. Yeah, it's like it, they want you to notice this. This is like this was the it was the most the, lovingly it, rendered pile yeah. of. There's a there's a reason they've had poop quests since because they had that thing ready to go. Yep. And the first time you ever saw it was when you were in Feralus fighting ogres, and it was just everywhere. It was like, <laughs> my God, do you people there, just... there? I also distinctly remember a lot of poops around the ogres in Alterac. Yep, the outside, yeah. like not Alltrack Valley, the battleground, but the questing area in game. No, yep. the ones, yeah, the ones that had taken over the the ruins of Alterac. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Poop and everywhere. The ones, the ones outside Nigel's Point. And the, the ones, ones in Alterac. I mean, yeah. it's snow, so it's brown piles on top of this pristine white snow. So you notice them. Yeah. They're there. <laughs> Heck, even even when you went up to Karazhan on your way to Karazhan, back back before uh, back just before BC came out. Um, you would go to Karazhan, and on your way, you'd farm up Runecloth. Mm -hmm. And then you'd go try and figure out a way to kill those level 70 dudes for the green drops. Yeah. Because people would buy them because they were, like, level 68 stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. Ogres are nasty. <laughs> I, I, I've actually personally, like, I really enjoyed the, the Draenor version of Ogres. Like, especially, like, the ones you get in your garrison as followers. Yeah. Because they're they're quite well-spoken and civilized, and there's, you know... They're even funny. One of them is like constantly going, "Send me Praetor, and we, I shall give me t give me one legion, and I shall conquer Draenor for you." It's like, dude, I'm not here to conquer Draenor. <laughs> not my job. I appreciate the thought, but 
Yeah, you just you just you just keep that in mind. All right, uh, last email is from Conf. Uh, hi, Conf. So oh, sorry, your name just threw me. Conf. S C O N F. C O N F. Like short right. short for conference. Yeah. Well, he's just Conf. Uh, what? While questing through Old Nagrand after Warlords, I find myself wondering what clan the Maghar orcs represent. Oh. Their heraldry doesn't work; doesn't look like any of the clans I know of, and they seem to have orcs from the Warsong and Bleeding Hollow clans living there. So just who are they? Uh, thanks, Proud Founding Patron Conf. They're the leftovers, aren't they? They are basically what Garadar was, was an internment camp for... Well, it wasn't... It was... um. What do you call it? An illness colony. It wasn't. It wasn't an internment camp. It was a, a, a quarantine. Like a, like a quarantine. A quarantine. Yes, colony. it was a quarantine area. It was a quarantine colony. There was this disease that had hit the orcs called the red pox, and it was highly contagious. So they took all of the orcs that had the red pox, and they were sent to Gar- Garadar to like get better, recover, and get better. And because they were isolated from the rest of the horde, and they were off by themselves, they never got hit with the fell taint. They, never, they, ne- they were never affected. They never turned green. Um, so they aren't actually any particular clan. It was just at some point after Draenor shattered and became Outland, they decided that they were the Maghar and Maghar means, I believe it literally translates to uncorrupted, uncorrupt. So that that was pretty much, that was what unified them. And yeah, they they do come from different clans because obviously, you know, you've got people from the Bleeding Hollow there. You've got, uh, Garrosh was from there and Garrosh was very much Warsong. He was the son of the Warsong chieftain, but it never. They, they There's even Frostwolves there. Yeah, they kind of kept their own clan identity a little bit. Like they still call themselves, yeah, I'm a, I, I was a bleeding hollow orc, but yeah, they're all united. Yeah, but they're all united under the Maghar banner. So yep. that's what that is. Yeah, so it isn't any clan, or it's all clans. But hey, we're looking at. It. I, I kept wanting to say internment because I kept thinking of the internment camps, like. After the second war, I'm like, that is not right. That's not what this was. It was something else. Quarantine zone. Quarantine. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about just looking at it right now. You've got Joran Deadeye. Um, he's from the Bleeding Hollow. He's, yeah. He's Kilrot's son. You've got um, Draenor Sorfang is there. Yeah. And you've got uh, Garrosh. Uh, Garrosh, who's a, who's a war song. And we know the war song were originally from the area. Yeah. And you've got Gra- Great Mother Gaia is a frost wolf. She was, yeah, she was actually Duraton's mother. And yeah, um, so. the town of Garadar, interestingly enough, the town of Garadar was named after Gaia's husband, Garad. Mm-hmm. He died. So she made yeah, the so camp to take care yep. of people. It's really weird. The Red Pox almost feels like it was something that the planet Draenor did to try and save some orcs. Maybe. Maybe it was some kind of like infection thing. I don't know. All I know is like that the descriptions is, of it, the descriptions of it in Rise of the Horde were really kind of gruesome. Yeah. And there's like, I think it's not Rise of the Horde. I forget which book it is, but um, it might be you know, Beyond the Dark Portal. When um, Terran Gorfine shows up there. Is it Gorfine or is it, uh, is it, is it Bone Chewer? No. Um, are you talking about the, the, the guy who went and he saw Garrosh there? Yeah, and Garrosh is like sickly, and he's like, "I want to fight." And the guy's like, "Yeah, you'd be better off just dying." No, it wasn't. It was. It was beyond the dark portal. Oops. You're right. Um, it was. Uh, 
Oh my gosh. Who was it? Was it? It was one I can't of the remember big names. Either. It was one of the big names. One of the really big names. It's either Cargath. It was Cargath. Or it's Ah, it was Cargath. It was Cargath. Okay. Yeah, Cargath showed up, and he showed up because he was looking for more warriors for the horde. So he shows up at this quarantine camp, and he's talking to Gaia, and he's like, "I need your strongest warriors." And she's sitting there going, "Dude, have you seen these guys? We don't have any strong warriors. They're all sick." And then Garage kind of shambles on over, and he's like, "Have you heard anything from my father?" And Cargath was so disgusted with the way that he looked that he was like, he pretty much, he said, all of you should just roll over and die because you do nothing for the horde anyway. And then he rode off. He basically had a tantrum and then he rode off. And that was, yeah, that was kind of, it was beyond the dark portal. I think was, it was near the end of that. Or the worst. Cargath is kind of rude. (laughs) I'm just I'm amazed that when he kind of like re, when he helped form the Iron Horde that no point that maybe maybe Garrosh was like let's send Cargath to the ogres <laughs> let's make him go let's talk just, to those guys he has to go deal with the ogres you know because the poop that's uh, everywhere hopefully <laughs> <laughs> from what I know of ogres there will be poop uh, all right well so that's pretty much the show um, as is always the case you know we can't do the show without you guys so at this point. And do you want to read this? Because I still don't really know how to read it properly. Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. And your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast like this one or the queue and an ads free site experience. Ha. All right. The thing is, she wrote that out for me this week, guys, and I couldn't find the email. <laughs> so so have, I'm sitting there going, where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And then finally I found it. You should have so, been prepared. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. I, I'm like yelling at my desktop so I can click it because we See, do we're, shows. We, we've had these conversations about how we want to be very professional and about, you know, this Patreon thing. And then every time it comes up, one of us is like, what? Yeah, uh-huh. we all panic. We're doing we pan- what? <laughs> we just panic. Oh God! Look, so, I know yeah. the stuff. Just have me read it. So yeah. that's been the show, though. Thank you very much for listening. Um, remember always, if you want to send an email to the show, send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com, and we'd be more than happy to read it on the show and answer it. Can't answer every question, but we answer the ones we can. Um, thanks very much for listening, and we will see you next time.